Uh, we started a sermon series last week on human relationships, and we're going to be in this for, oh, the next five or six weeks probably. I read a quote this week from a guy named Stephen Allen, and Stephen Allen said, the most useful person in the marketplace, we could say too on the team, uh, the most useful person maybe in the church is the person who knows how to get along with other people. Did you hear that? It's a person who knows how to get along with other people. And he finished that quote by saying, human relationships are the most important science in living. That if you're going to be effective, the most important thing you can do is learn how to properly get along with and relate to other human beings. Jesus would say that's exactly true. We're in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bible. If not, the scriptures will be on the screens, and so you can follow along. Mark chapter 10. And this morning, what I want us to talk about is the biggest issue in your relationships. Remember, when we talk about relationships, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about with your parents or with your kids or your extended family. We're talking about uh, at work, our church. We're, we're trying to cover the gamut of relationships. So, and I think this is applause. What is the biggest issue? Number one, it is this. We are selfish. We're selfish. What is the biggest issue in you getting along with other people? More than anything else, it's the fact that you, I, and I, I said we, you notice that. That's, that means that's me and you. That we're selfish. Mark chapter 10. Uh, and, and I want us to begin with this. We want our own way. We want our own way. How does our selfishness manifest itself? Number one, we just, we want our own way. Verse 35. This is a great story. <clears throat> the Bible lays things out. The Bible does not uh, sugarcoat things. And it says in verse 35, James and John, these are two of Jesus' closest friends. The sons of Zebedee came to him. Now listen to this. Teacher, they ask, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now you would expect that, that request from the nursery, wouldn't you? If you're picking up a four-year-old today, you would expect that four-year-old to look at you and go, I, this is what I want. This is what I want you to do for me. These are two men who were closest to Jesus, them and Peter, of any of the other disciples. These were guys, this is later in the game. These, they've been around Jesus a long time now. And they come to Jesus and they say, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do. Now, the same story is told in Matthew 20. Matthew 20, it throws in a little interesting curveball that also the mother was involved. Mark leaves this out, just like when you tell stories, two people see a story and tell it. They miss different details. But their mommy was involved with these grown men as they asked Jesus, give us whatever we want. Listen, this is true in the church. It's true with your roommate. It's true with your spouse. It's true with your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It's, it's true at work. One of the big problems we have is that we approach relationships to get what we want out of it. You can, you can say this isn't true, and you have another problem, and that's called being a liar. Because this is, this is a huge thing. Here's the second way it manifests itself. We want to be the center of attention. We want our own way, and we want to be the king or the queen. In verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, what do you want me to do? 
Jesus didn't say, hey, you guys are idiots. Don't ask me whatever to do. What, who do you think I am, Santa Claus? He didn't say that. He said, what do you want me to do? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in glory. Wow. Okay, what did they mean, sit at your left hand and your right hand in glory? They meant one of two things, or maybe both things. Either they were expecting Jesus to set up, to throw, overthrow the, 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 uh, the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman government and for him to set up his earthly kingdom right here on earth. And they were saying, when, when you set up your earthly kingdom, we want to be, you're on the throne, we want to be at the right hand or the left hand. Or they were saying, Jesus, when the end of times, when everything is said and done, we want to be sitting at your right hand and your left hand in heaven, in eternity. Now, for, for the people in Jesus' day, the right hand and the left hand at the throne were the most significant positions. That's easy to understand if you have someone who is sitting on the throne, the king of kings, and then you get to sit at the right and the left. Those are the best seats in the house. Now, let's go back again. These are not little kids. This is not happening in children's church. These are two of Jesus' closest friends. Let me give you a little past context. These guys, shortly in the past, had been with Jesus and Peter up on a mountain, and Jesus was praying, and he turned solid white. A Moses and Elijah appear. They've been dead thousands of years by now. They appear and start talking to him, and the voice of God comes out of a cloud and speaks to Jesus. They had just seen that. Then when they leave there, they, get, they go down. This is found in one chapter early in Mark 9. They go down with the other disciples and they get in an argument about who is the greatest amongst each other. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you amongst the 12. Jesus rebukes them, straightens them out. Then right before this, Jesus is telling them, I'm fixing to go to the cross. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. This all is fixing to unfold. And right after that, these two guys have the audacity to come to Jesus and say, hey, by the way, we want to be the star of the story when all is said and done. Here's the problem, that things haven't changed in 2,000 years. Why does everybody want to be the quarterback or the pitcher? If you're qualified to be the quarterback or the pitcher, that's great. Or, or let me ask another thing for some of you parents. Why do you want your kid to be the quarterback or the pitcher? Why do we want them to be uh, the lead part in the school play or the center of attention? Because we want to be the center of attention. And one of the huge things that, listen, I guarantee you, I know this is happening, that is hurting your life is selfishness. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I talked to my ministers about what was the biggest issue in relationships. When I asked our counselor, Brandon, I said, what is the biggest issue? Marriage, Brandon's a licensed professional counselor. I said, you see marriages, you see people who are dating, you see singles, you see kids, you see parents. What's the biggest problem? Without even blinking, he said, selfishness. We want our own way, and we want to be the center of attention. Let me tell you how this fleshes out. This does not win with other people. What we're talking about these next week is how to win with other people. Jesus Christ wants you to win with other people. Jesus said the second most important thing in the world after your relationship with God is your relationship with people. Listen to how this plays out in verse 38 through 41. It says, you know what you're asking? Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will. Drink the cup. I mean, you're going to follow me. You're going to end up suffering and dying eventually. 
I'd be baptized with a baptism, I'm baptized. But to sit at my right or my left, is not. this is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. And verse 41 is very significant. When the, when the ten heard about this, they were really sad because they wanted James and John to get these right-hand seats at the kingdom of God. No, it says they were indignant. Indignant is a word of emotion. It means they were angry, upset, and resentful. Remember, they just had an argument probably a few days earlier about who is the greatest. And and almost every Bible scholar you would read, here's what they would say. They weren't indignant or upset that these guys dared ask Jesus this. They were indignant and upset because they wanted the best seats too. You see, we, we wonder, why is my marriage not good? Why, why don't I have many friends? And, we, and it's always convenient. You can blame it on somebody. Why do people not want to hang around with me? Why can't I keep a girlfriend or boyfriend? Why do I seem to go from church to church and every church is bad? Mm-hmm. Why do I always have problems on my team or at work? And it comes back almost all the time to the fact that we want our own way and we want to be the center of attention. You notice last week we had two chairs up here. This week we only have one because it's impossible to have a relationship when it's all about you. Amen? Because relationships take two. If it's all about me, it's hard for me to have anyone else who wants to sit in that other chair besides me. Okay, let's look at some practical thoughts. Affairs. Married people who have affairs. Or we can say this. You're dating someone and they cheat on you. And I want to give you a piece of advice. You're dating someone and they cheat on you. Love them like Jesus would and run from them. Because they'll probably do it to you if you marry them. Why do people cheat? Well, there's obviously, there's some multiple reasons you could put in there. Here's the fundamental one. Fundamental one. Selfish. Selfish. I just want to have sex with that other person. I like the attention that other person's giving me. I'm not thinking about how this is going to hurt my husband or wife or my kids or my family. I'm just thinking about, they meet my needs. This makes me feel good. I feel important. They make me feel significant. Do you get the, 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 the thing over and over? It's me, 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 me. Fundamental reason people cheat in marriages. It's are selfish, self-centered. It's about me. It's about me, what I want. And so you look at that and go, okay, okay I understand that. With the, but, but what about, in the, you, you say, I'm not going to be involved in that. Always stay humble. Several years ago, I read an article about the mission field. And the missionary was asked, what is the most pressing problem on the mission field? And here's what I was expecting to hear. American churches don't give us enough money, or that, you know, we need more prayer, or we need more volunteers. Here's what this missionary said. The most pressing problem we have is that the missionaries among us all want to be number one, and everyone's selfish, and everyone's self-centered. Wow. I, I don't know who said this quote, but it's really good. You can almost trace every discord, every problem, whether it's the roommate, in a marriage, at church, uh, on a ball team, in the workplace, extended family, almost every discord comes back to, I want my own way, and it's all about me. Selfishness. How many of you think I'm hitting on something here? 
a few of you. I, I, I think Jesus was right. This is it. What do we do? What do we do? I want to give you two big steps. Here's the first one. We need to die to ourselves, not a literal death, but a figurative and a spiritual death. And Luke 9, 23, here's what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, read that aloud with me. I'll make sure y'all are still awake. Read it aloud. Okay, hold on, hold on. I will make you stand up if I have to, okay? He... Stop, stop. Just listen. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. (laughs) How many of you stayed up to four last night? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Deny yourself. What does that mean? When when, when Jesus was, remember when Jesus got arrested and Peter followed him, and and it says three times Peter denied that he knew Jesus. You remember that story? What what, what What did Peter say? Peter said, I don't know this person. I don't know this person. To deny yourself is to say about you, I am, I'm putting myself out of the picture. Now, the truth is when you deny yourself, it's supernatural. That's when your needs are met by God and by other people. It doesn't feel that way, but it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a contradiction. It's the way of Jesus Christ. It's just the opposite way of the world. We need to de- deny ourselves. We need to die to ourselves. And I think this happens in two ways. Number one, it's a big event. It's a big event. What do I mean by that? Hopefully when you got saved, a large chunk of you got put, put to death. Some of you are Christians this morning, and you've taken a large chunk of you back. And what you need to do today is you need to have a big funeral. I mean, before you leave this church house, you need to say to God, God, a lot of me needs to die today. But it's not just a big event. It's a daily choice. This is also a daily choice. Jesus said you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Daily. Listen, here's something. Honestly, you ought to pray every day. You ought to pray every day. You ought to say, Jesus, God, help me to die to myself. To die to my selfishness. To die to my self-centered. God, every day help a little bit more of me to disappear. The first step in dealing with the selfishness problem begins with deciding that you are going to do something about you, okay? Now, here's the second big step. Focus on other people first. This is a Jesus thing all the way through. Focus on others first. This is love. This all flows from L-O-V-E. I want to read to you a verse, and I'll explain why I think it's important. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. What does that mean? Okay, it's easy for you to cater to, to put first someone who you think can benefit you, right? Oh, this person's rich, this person's powerful, this person has influence, they'll help me, they'll, they'll help my kid, my kid will get to start, my kid will get to be a hero, whatever, whatever. 
what Jesus was saying there, it's, it's half friends on the whole social scale. I mean, if movie stars want to hang out with you, that's cool. Hang out with them. But if you're following Christ, when the poorest person in town wants to hang out with you, you're cool with that too is what he's saying. Does that make sense? So, so this is across the board. This is not sincere unless it says, I'm this way to everybody. Do you get that? I'm this way, not just to the good-looking people or the people who I think have power. I'm this way to everybody. Associate with people of low position, okay? So how do we do this? Practically, how do we put others first? We need to put, we need to put feet to this. How do we do it? I'm going to give you four steps. Number one, serve them. Serve them is what Jesus says. You put other people first. And I know this is a biblical word, and you've heard it in church, and you go, well, yeah, yeah, like whatever. But it really is practical. In verse 42, Jesus called them together, and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, folks, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Jesus does not condemn the desire for greatness. He just redefines it. Do you get that? Jesus doesn't condemn the desire, their desire to be great. He redefines what greatness is. And he tells them, look, and, and listen, this is true today just like it was in the Roman world. He said, in the Roman world, the, the, someone wants to be the leader, that means they're the man or they're the woman. Or they're in charge, large in charge. And you better bow down to them and serve them and do what they want. Jesus says, that's not what I want you to be like. In verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. The word great there means whoever wants to be high, whoever wants to be tops, must serve you, must be an attendant. This word is used for deacons in some places in the Bible. You want to be great. You serve people. You attend to their needs. But Jesus Christ, sadly here, he takes it a step farther. I say, sadly, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Look at the, verse 44. Whoever wants to be first, which literally means to be the chief, means to be top in order, must be the slave of all. I bet the disciples by this time and were going, Jesus, stop, okay? We, stop. <laughs> what, what is a slave? Well, in, in Jesus' world, the Roman world, there was estimated to be 60 million slaves at this time. So they knew what a slave was. A, a slave was one in a position of permanent servitude to others. Their, their life was consumed with the will of other people. So w- w- what does that mean for you and me, that we're supposed to be a piece of property to somebody else? No. But what Jesus is saying, if you want to win with others, it's not about you first. It's not about what you want It's not about being self-centered. It's about you making a choice, and these are choices that you're going to serve other people before yourself, that your life's going to be about other people and taking care of them and meeting their needs and helping them before your own. That is radical, isn't it? But that's the words of Jesus Christ on this issue. Let's put some practical feet to it. Let's talk about sex for a second. That always wakes everyone up. Okay, in the Bible... In the Bible, sex is very narrow parameters. It's a husband and wife in marriage, okay? So that's how I'm talking about it. Outside of that, the Bible says it's wrong, 
Okay, you may not think that's, that's, I'm not here to debate you on that, but that's what the Bible says, that's what I believe, and that's what this church believes, okay? Sex is one of the most important things in marriage. Boy, you ought to see y'all's faces. I mean, everybody's like. That's why every sermon I need to do that. In the middle of the sermon, I'm talking about hell, and just say sex, and everybody, okay. We don't need that to go out on the internet, probably. Uh, Sex, listen, if you were to talk to a marriage counselor and you would ask them, what's one of the biggest problems in marriage? They're going to tell you, S-E-X. It's sex. It's one of the most important things, but it's a problem because most of the time the men are more attuned to that and the women are less attuned to that. And that causes problems, as you can imagine. Okay, ladies, I'm going to talk to you first. Don't get mad, just listen. And then I'll kick your husbands, okay? One of... The acts of service that you can do for your husband is sex. It ought to be, most of the time it ought to be mutual, it ought to be love, but sometimes men are just more sexual and they're going to they're gonna want to have sex more. And so one of the ways a, a, a wife serves her husband is, is sexually, okay? It, that, that's, that's the truth. Sometimes she may not be as thrilled about it as he is, but that's, that's an act of service. Now, here's the thing to remember, women. The only place, and this is true for men, for, for your wife too, the only place that your husband is supposed to find sex is with you. Not on the internet, not with another lady or another man or any place else. He's supposed to find it with you, okay? So that's an important area that you meet that need. Now, here's the problem, men, is that a lot of times we don't practice serving our wives the other 23 and a half hours a day, correct? Ladies, am I correct? Hey, uh-huh. Come on, talk to me, ladies. And so here's what happens is that we're semi-nice most of the day, and then it's romance time, and then all of a sudden we're like, hey, baby, and, you know, we're, you know what can I do for you? And, and like... By the end of the other 23 and a half hours, they don't really want us touching them. Correct? Y'all really acting weird. This is truth. This is truth. It's true. You young people, listen to me. It is truth. Your parents aren't going to be honest about this, but it is true. <laughs> Ladies, you serve your husband by taking care of him sexually. Men, you, you will have a better sex life if you serve your wife the other 23 and a half hours. Ladies, give me some help. Thank you. Okay, let's move on from sex. But serve people. That's how you focus on them. That you serve them. It's, it's not about you, it's about them, okay? Here's the second thing. Talk about their life and their interests. Talk about their life and their interests. Dale Carnegie, in this, this is a great book. If you never read it, you need to read it. How to Win Friends and Influence People. This isn't some kind of pop psychology or some kind of new wave stuff. When you really, when you really focus on other people first, you talk about them. Oftentimes people will say, well, I don't know what to talk about when I meet somebody. Talk about them. What is people's favorite subject? themselves. If you can get people talking about them, you will never have to say anything, correct? You can just sit there, nod, and shake your head. And this isn't phony baloney. Listen, when you care about people, talk about them and their interests. Number three, and listen to them. Listen. 
Put your phone down. Let me repeat that. Put your phone down. Is it not annoying when you're talking to somebody and they're going, and some of you are going, well, I just multitask. I've read a thousand things. Multitasking doesn't exist. What, what you do is you're focusing very poorly on four or five different things, including the person who's trying to talk to you. This may sound weird. Do you know how you can serve somebody? Just listen to them. People are dying for someone to listen. How can you say, I love you, I'm serving you, but I don't ever ask about your life and I don't listen to you? Moms and dads, do you listen to your kids? Kids, I know you don't listen to your parents. That's part of growing up. But men, do you listen to your wives? Wives, do you listen to your husbands? We serve people by paying attention to them, talking about them and their lives, and listening to them. And let me give you a last thing. Sincerely make them feel important because they are. How, how do you focus on other first? How do you win in your marriage? How do you win with your friends? You say, I want to have more friends. You can got 10,000 friends on Facebook or Twitter or followers, whatever. I'm talking about real friends that you can reach out and touch. How, how, make them feel important because they are. Listen, listen to me. Every person you make eye contact with is somebody Jesus Christ created. Isn't that awesome? Every person you make eye t- contact with, Jesus created them. Here's the second thing, and he died for them. Isn't that cool? See, there's no insignificant people. You are super important. And everyone you meet is super important because Jesus created you and he died for you. Every person you meet is eternal. Nobody just dies. Make people feel really important because they are. Many, many years ago, there were two famous leaders in Great Britain. One was named William Gladstone. The other one was Benjamin Desirelle. They were great leaders. They, they were the prime ministers of Great Britain, which is kind of like being president of the United States. And a lady had the opportunity within a week to have dinner with both of these men. And, after she, and she got to spend like two hours with them. And after, after this, someone asked her, tell us about your experience with, with basically the two presidents of your country. And she said, Mr. Gladstone was a very noble person. And she said, after I ate with him, I felt like he was the smartest, most wonderful person in all of England. So what was it after you ate with Mr. Desirel? She said, I felt like I was the smartest and most wonderful person in all of England. Who do you think won that woman over? You see, people are starving to be loved. People are starving for someone who will listen to them, who will give them attention. Your wife is, your husband is, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your friends, your kids, your parents. The people who win in life are the men and women 
who serve others. Focus on them, love them, listen to them, and put them above themselves. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, honestly, how are you doing in these areas? What are you willing to do today to make it right with God and other people? And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure, I want to invite you to pray with me where you are. Would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And and I want to invite you to respond to what God's done in your heart this morning. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're ready to do that. Here's what I want you to do when we stand. I want you to slip out and come down and talk to one of our ministers. Let us help you seal that deal with Jesus this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to join our church. One way you can join when we stand, just slip out, come down the aisle. One of our ministers will help you join us this morning. Those of you here who are Christians, I want to challenge you this morning to leave your seat, to come down and pray with the minister or pray at the altar and ask God to begin that process of helping you die to you helping that process begin where you're going to spend the rest of your life lifting up Jesus and focusing on others first. Guarantee it's the way to success with others. Let's stand. And as Christ leads you,